Listener Production. US stocks ease as investors return from the Independence Day holiday. And the Aussie share market is expected to have another poor session on Thursday after a disappointing night on Wall Street. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Thursday, July 6. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Ryan, the Americans have returned from a day off and it was a little bit disappointing. Stocks down, um, a bit of a pall being cast over things by the minutes from the last FOMC meeting. The markets really are at wait and see mode at the moment and we're waiting for key economic data towards the end of this week, Tom, particularly jobs data. And since the Fed is data dependent, so is the market. But really, there's so much anticipation around these outcomes. So in the case of the minutes, there was nothing that I found surprising. I don't know, new. I'm sure you share my view. What could you possibly expect from a central banker in this point in the conversation to say other than the trajectory for interest rates is up? Fed officials, importantly, at the June meeting, and I guess we need to provide some context here, decided to hold off raising interest rates, opting for a pause to assess the impact of the most recent 10 previous rate hikes. And what the minutes did suggest was there's some disagreement amongst some of those policymakers, with some saying that rates should go higher as inflation remains elevated, and others wanted to pause or skip and assess the economic data and and the impact of those rate hikes that we have seen. Yeah, it makes sense to have that discussion. Naturally, this is the forum for it. I doubt that this was anything that the markets were waiting for with bated breath, to be honest. I was a little bit surprised in the way that the bonds behaved. Uh, What stood out last night was that long-term interest rates moved higher by a decent margin, up by around eight basis points. So a 10-year treasury note finishing at 3.93% and a two-year treasury note was barely moved. So it was up one basis point to 4.95. Under these circumstances, with that conversation, you would perhaps think that the shorter dated government bonds might be a little more sensitive to this conversation, but it wasn't the case. Well, the two-year was virtually unmoved and we saw little reaction from markets broadly to the, the minutes. And the minutes did show that 18 participants expect at least one more rate hike to be appropriate this year and 12 expect two or more. And if you look at current market pricing at the moment, markets are now suggesting that we have a 88.7% chance of a 25 basis point rate hike on July the 25th, 26th. So you're right, it was quite interesting that the two-year was so subdued, but there was a bit of a focus overnight at the same time on some weaker-than-expected factory orders economic data. There were some interesting readings on both sides of the Atlantic. So firstly, let's unpick what happened in the US. Factory orders, quite a decent knock, actually. We saw new orders for US-made goods increase less than expected, so markets were looking for a lift in May of 0.8%. We got 0.3% as the lift. We did see a surge in civilian aircraft orders, but this was partially offset by sluggishness elsewhere amid higher interest rates and eroding demand, Tom. When I say knock, I mean you know well below the market's expectations. The uh, hope was that this measure would rise by 0.8%, 0.3%, well undercooked in terms of expectations. Did that make a difference in terms of perceptions? I don't know if it did, Ryan. Well, motor vehicle orders fell by 0.6% in a sign perhaps that consumer demand is waning. And also, the important thing with all this is that business spending on equipment has contracted for two straight quarters now, Tom. That's the first back-to-back decline since mid-2020, so it suggests that business investment 
could be under some pressure as it contributed to economic growth. Well, I suppose the interesting point there is that it lines up with the anecdotes where business managers have been talking about this for a while now and it's beginning to show up in the figures. So we need to be paying attention to that in the months ahead, as we always do. What stood out to me in the European experience, Ryan, was that producer inflation was well below the market's expectations and that didn't have a meaningful interest rate impact either. Well, we're seeing some easing in producer prices at the moment, mainly because energy prices are down. But what stood out to me last night, Tom, in Europe was the latest update on Eurozone business activity. And we saw the purchasing managers survey, which basically looks at both manufacturing and services activity in the Eurozone. The composite number there declined to 49.9, which is below the 50 level, which we've been talking about, which suggests that we have had a contraction and that's the first contraction in activity in Europe since December. So services activity is starting to ease off those high levels and we did see France's dominant services sector fall in June for the first time since January. The broadest measure of European stock performance, the Stocks 600 index, was down by around three quarters of a percent. The German market was down by almost two-thirds of a percent. The French market down by a little over three-quarters of a percent and the UK market down by about a percent. So the bottom line there is is that you've got a moderating pulse of activity and then you've still got the central bankers out and about talking about the need for for higher rates. The ECB at the moment seems to be a little more hawkish than the US Fed at least. Well, we have heard from Christine Lagarde in Portugal recently and she said that she needs to tackle inflation, interest rates, in the Eurozone at around 3.5%, much lower than the rest of the world. So they need to lift interest rates there to combat inflation. But concerns about a recession are growing. And what we also saw overnight in Europe was worries about China. So the services activity index yesterday from Kaijin, the private sector one, that weakened to the lowest level in about five months. And that was reflected in weaker mining shares last night in Europe. We saw the miners down 1.1%, so global growth concerns hurt metal prices. And China exposed luxury firms such as LVMH, Louis Vuitton, Moet Hennessy. It was down 1.1%, Europe's most valuable company. And then we also saw Chinese exposed companies in London. So HSBC and also Insurer Prudential, uh, they were down by up to 3.9%. And Ryan, a point worth circling back to is that you know, geopolitics can happen on a couple of levels. It can be, you know, quite conspicuous or it can be quite overt. There is quite a lot of tension in the technology space at the moment in relation to the United States and China at varying levels. There's a lot of heat around you know, the, the metals that go into the production of technology, but it's also shown up in a couple of other areas as well. Well, we saw chip stocks fall. Wall Street overnight after China said it would control exports of some metals widely used in the semiconductor industry. So there's tensions between Beijing and Washington continue to rise over those high-tech microchips. We saw the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index down by 2.2% and that weighed on shares of Intel, which were down by 3.3% on the Dow. You know, whenever you're talking about organisations that mine those types of metals. Linus, for example, can even extend through to you know lithium miners, even to an extent iron ore, I suppose, uh, probably on, on the periphery. Yeah, all of those types of metals. There is a premium of, of some sort, probably difficult to, to measure, but it would exist there somewhere in the price in relation to 
how this situation could potentially inflame itself over the longer term, I suppose it's worth keeping in mind. It is worth keeping in mind. And there were other couple of points out of the US overnight. Tom, just quickly, General Motors, the guys that used to make the Holden Commodore, the automaker shares are up almost 1% overnight. And as the company said, US sales increased 18.8% in the second quarter. So we saw quite strong outcomes out of Tesla the day yep. before. And now we've got General Motors with strong outcomes. And then, of course, you're excited tonight, aren't you, Tom? Because Meta Platforms is launching a new Twitter competitor. Yes. Well, this has been spoken about quietly for a while. So um, it's finally on the cusp of being unveiled. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of a response it gets from users. That's really the most important measure. The app is going to be called Threads and will be Twitter's main competitor. It's going to be launched on Thursday. And we did see Meta Platform shares rise by up to 2.9% on the back of that news. I mean, there has been a lot of mucking around on the part of uh, Elon Musk with uh, Twitter and the way that users can engage with that platform. It's actually been a bit of a punish, to be frank, um, using it from time to time. So this is a far more seamless user experience. It'll be interesting to see how things pan out. On the local front, look, to be frank, there's not a whole lot of stuff that's going to take your breath away today. We've got international trade numbers out. Um, that will be probably more academic rather than having a meaningful impact on prices. Anything else that uh, stands out for you, Ryan? Well, we're expecting to see a trade surplus of $10 billion for the Australian economy in May, which is another strong outcome. And in addition to that, in company news, Peter Warren Automotive hosts an extraordinary general meeting ALS is expected to pay its dividend, and then tonight, attention will be mainly on those services sector surveys in the United States, but also we get an update on ADP payrolls, which is a private sector payroll number, and we're expecting to see 225,000 jobs added in the month of June. And I suppose you know the point to bear in mind when it comes to US employment figures is that they have been quite strong lately, and if there's, you know, whenever there is news, you know, as a market participant, what we try to do is you know run that mental algorithm. Like, where does the risk lie in in these set of figures? So, if there's going to be a risk, would you say it's towards something being stronger on employment rather than not? Well, in terms of the market's response, certainly. So, if we see a stronger than expected number above well over two hundred thousand, well, then that sets the tone for the payrolls next day, mm-hmm. and those official numbers could then lead to a bit of a sell-off if inflationary concerns around wages peak again. And, you know, all roads lead to inflation these days. But I suppose the the other thing, you know, Ryan, is that it's not just inflation, but it's also the core rate of inflation that is, I suppose if you were to try and paint a visual picture of it, you've got the fire, but in the guts of it, you've got those coals. And the coals are what represents core inflation at the moment. It's proving quite challenging to subdue. And that ambition of central banks to get it under control by the end of next year, which is basically their, their line in the sand, you know, they can afford to perhaps talk about easing up now. But as we move into the end of the year, if you're still looking at hot numbers, it's going to be a vastly different picture. Certainly a challenging economic backdrop and one for policymakers to contend with, Tom. Indeed. So thank you very much for tuning in today. Uh, If you've got any comments, um, drop them in the comments box. Uh, Tune in to Laura and Stevie this afternoon. Have a great day.
This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067254399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.